And that was the theme tune from The Sopranos, which is this week's choice uh, for the Cultural Toolbox with John Fardy. John, good morning. Hi, how are you? The Sopranos. Now, unlike most of the popular <laughs> cultural references on uh, this show, I have actually seen Go one it. or two episodes of The Sopranos. But for those people recently returned from exile on desert islands, yes. what is it? Well, can I just say, you mentioned desert island, and to me... You know, and I have to be careful here. If Shane was here, he'd be hosing me down. This would be my desert island thing. If I could take one cultural artefact, and I mean that even above, just on a personal level, the works of Shakespeare, dare I even say it, the Bible. For me, this is the greatest thing ever produced on TV. And for me personally, possibly the greatest thing ever produced. I adore it. It changed television forever. And this golden age of TV that we live in is a direct result of The Sopranos. So what's it about? It's about a mafia kingpin. Nothing unusual there. It's about his two families. His regular family, his his paternal family, his, his overbearing mother, his wife, who's married him because she loves him, but she also likes his mafia lifestyle, his children who are going through all that with him. Then his second family, his mob family. This cast of characters almost out of a Fellini movie. And then there's a third dimension to it. He's a mobster in therapy. And he goes for weekly sessions to this woman who tells him all about Freud and stuff, and he's not having any of it. So it contains everything. It really does. Um... There are those uh, who might say that being the greatest thing on television yeah. ever <laughs> is not a particularly high accolade. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, people rave now about The Wire and Breaking Bad and all these kind of things and, and you know, the era of Netflix and TV on demand. And I think The Sopranos ushered that in. You see, The Sopranos isn't, in a sense, a TV show. It's a mega movie. It's a it's a TV show that had a beginning, middle, and end. Up until The Sopranos, there were a few exceptions, but, but mostly TV was episodic. You know, uh, take any example you want to use. Dale, Rodney, and Grandfather got into some trouble and they had some laughs. And I love Only Fools and Horses. That was the end of it. Things happen in The Sopranos in episode one that are referenced in the final episode of series six. It was this... It was this painting that became more apparent the more that happened to it. It's like looking at great art. The more you studied it, the more you came away from it. Nothing is wasted in The Sopranos. From camera angles to music used to an expression on an actor's face, there's no baggage in it whatsoever. And the other thing about it is that it contained one of the best TV actors or the best TV performers of all time, James Gandolfini playing Tony Soprano. He's unfortunately passed away and, you know, he was really at the the apex of his powers. He could do, you know, there were scenes in The Sopranos and it would last for a minute and it would be just his face. His face could, could convey a thousand emotions. David Chase, the creator... And, and and the guy who owned The Sopranos had to fight to have him in it because the network thought he wasn't handsome enough, he, he was a bit overweight, he was burly looking. And he said, you know, this man is middle America. He can play the Joe Schmo and also be a gangster. So I've said a lot there, I realise, but there's it's it's it has everything. The, the way people watch television seems to me, and I don't want to know a lot of it, but... 
the way people consume television has kind of changed yeah. uh, with the advent of box sets and loudly yeah. technologies enable people to watch television, weekly television, yeah. in, in the manner that they watch yeah. uh, box sets. Was The Sopranos the, the first of that? Was that the, the, the program or the series that, that changed that? Well, in a way, what happened was, I mean, The Sopranos was on HBO in America, which was a cable thing. So it was away from the constraints. Explain that of, first. Well, oh, you, you had to pay for it. So it wasn't on the standard NBC, ABC. So they could get away with, if you'll pardon the pun, murder, because there was a lot of murder. So it meant that people were prepared to travel for their TV, that they would pay money to watch something that they couldn't see on terrestrial TV. But what it also did was, even though The Sopranos was event TV, it was still on at the same time every week, you had to tune into it, it meant that missing an episode was really problematic because you didn't quite know what had happened beforehand and you really needed to be keeping up with each episode. So it forced TV to break out of the constrictions of what you could say on TV and you didn't have to worry about swear words, but also the idea that you had to commit to TV. And people talk about losing hours and days now watching things like Breaking Bad because these shows are commitments because once you get in... You have to watch the whole thing. They carry along, and The Sopranos was the first one to do that. We should probably play a clip. Yeah, give yeah, people let's, a flavor let's, let's of this wonderful thing I've been talking about. The legendary interactions he has with his uh, therapist, played brilliantly by Lauren Branco, Doctor Melfi. Here's his view on on you know the male psyche and psychotherapy. Have a listen to this. Nowadays, everybody's got to go to shrinks and counselors and go on Sally Jesse Raphael and talk about their problems. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type? That was an American. He wasn't in touch with his feelings. He just did what he had to do. See, see what they didn't know was once they got Gary Cooper in touch with his feelings, that they wouldn't be able to shut him up. And then it's dysfunction this, and dysfunction that, and dysfunction my fungal. You have strong feelings about this. Let me tell you something. I had a semester and a half of college, so... I understand Freud. I understand therapy as a concept. But in my world, it does not go down. Could I be happier? Yeah. Yeah. Who couldn't? And this, in this scene, this is from a man who's in therapy. Yeah. And that's one of the important motifs, I think. Is there something about, is there something about the whole Tony Soprano character that, you know, chimes at the decline of the traditional American male. Yeah, definitely, and that was a huge thing. And even, even on a wider sense, the the decline of the the masculine male, the Gary Cooper type, the the man who doesn't cry. What gets him into therapy is the fact that a family of ducks have entered his swimming pool. They've just flown in, and he's befriended them, and he's gotten obsessed about them, and they leave. They learn to fly and they fly away and he has a panic attack. And this sets in an almost Proustian kind of train of events that goes on for, you know, six series. So this idea of a man being vulnerable, it was very much of the time. Don't forget, this was 99, you know, people were starting to talk about an idea of, a, you know, a crisis in masculinity and stuff like that. So it very much ties in with that idea of, you know, a crisis in the American man and, and a crisis in man in general because there's something very affecting watching it as men about this utter alpha male who's, you know, killing people for a living but is also crying about how, you know, malignant his mother was to him. Is it far men more than women? You know, I... I think it probably is. Uh, and I try to convince a lot of women 
I tried to convince them of lots of things, but I tried to convince them to watch this with varying degrees of success. I mean, my my wife loved it, but not as much as I did. I I, I do think it probably is. It has more male concerns, and I, you know, I'm obviously. It would be great if TV was for everybody, but I think there's no way of getting around this. So maybe that's a criticism of it. I'm not sure. It's it's a male-centric one, but there are fascinating female characters in it. His mother, uh, his wife, but they're all seen through the prism of him. They're how their behaviour and his behaviour affects him and them, respectively. And what, what, what happens to him over the six series? What's his... What's journey? his journey? It's a very good question. Well, in one way, and this could put people off, nothing from a moral point of view. He's not, he's troubled, but his borderline depression that he's going to see this therapist about and his madness, his utter kind of psychoticness doesn't change. He has occasional insights into his own psyche and a little shaft of life comes in but then the next week he's opening someone's head with a baseball bat. But a huge amount happens... Graphically, in many instances. Absolutely. Yeah. Really graphically. And he, they make no apologies for that. Uh, but a lot happens in terms of the drama of the mob family. There are so many changes. And one of the things the Sopranos did was that no character was safe. Even Tony Soprano. Like, key cast members were killed in the second, third and fourth series. So there were some episodes you watched. And I remember having a visceral feeling of... <gasps> I can't believe they did that. They've gotten rid of whoever. So nobody was safe. So lots happened, but very little human understanding enters Tony Soprano's mind between the beginning and end of the series. But it's a fascinating journey to nothing, if you know what I mean. Some of the great moments of American cinema have been... Uh, gangster movies, yeah. Yeah, maf- mafia movies, Absolutely. Godfather, yeah. Goodfellas. Yeah. Now, where does The Sopranos sit in that count? Well, I, I think it's up there. I mean, it's a TV show, and you mentioned movies, but it's very cinematic, and they very cleverly back-reference all those things all the time. God, Goodfellas is, is, is made reference to... Godfather, they don't even call it by name anymore. The gangsters go in one and in two because it's ever-present. So, you know, they talked about that strange thing of fact and fiction. There's some weird name for friction or something when when they have the two of them, you know, dovetailing together. And things like that would happen in The Sopranos because mobsters used to watch The Sopranos and apparently one of them got word to the production company in the first series, Tony Soprano's wearing shorts at a barbecue. And in series three... And, and the mobster said that would never happen in real life. And in series three, one of the characters says to Tony, "Don't wear the short, buddy." <laughs> so it was. So it's 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 part of the American tradition of of great mobster movies and TV, but it's also part of American culture now. And I mean, people I've heard Irish politicians make reference to The Sopranos in the doll, you know. So it, I mean, it's it's uh, still surely the present. ultimate cultural accolade. Absolutely. If any other proof were needed. Uh, one one critic just just finally John, one one critic described it as this is the the mythical great American novel. Yeah, I I would go along with that. I really would. It has a beginning, middle and end. And in a way, you know, you can compare it to things like Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment and Notes from the Underground. I know that seems like a bold statement, but if you've watched it from beginning, middle and end, I, I think you'd agree with me, you know. 
Fascinating. John Fardy, thanks very much. John will be back next week with another Cultural Toolbox. That's it from me this morning. Uh, I'm Pat Leahy sitting in for Shane Coleman. He'll be back next week. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to the Sunday Show team, Aidan McKelvey on research and Stephen Jordan produced. Off the ball's up next here with News Talk. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.